0: All right. Thank you, Grace Church. Give it up for the worship team this morning. That was just amazing. Praise God. Online viewers, can we give it up to them? Thank you for tuning in today. God bless you. Thank you for watching faithfully all over the country. Praise the Lord. And thank you, Grace Church, for coming out. And thank you for your acknowledgement. We appreciate that. We love uh, what we do. Janie and I are, are thrilled to be your pastors and partners uh, in Christ and to be able to help lead Uh, others into the kingdom of God. So thank you. We're uh, a couple things really quickly. We're in the harvest series, but then we also talk about giving the month of October externally. And so we have uh, the mission or the uh, orphanage that we support fully in uh, Haiti, 202 or 203 children. We support all their needs all month long. Uh, So thank you for that. If you'd like to jump on board with that, it's $10 a month per child, and uh, if you continue, if you are giving, continue to give, that would be great as well, and as I mentioned last week, we are picking up the Nicaraguan Orphanage, Amanda just raised right there uh, for, uh, we're moving from 200 a month to 500 a month uh, for them after the first of the year, and so I speak that by faith, knowing that you will give, otherwise Jenny will write the check, so. Uh, And trust me, she will. Uh, But we want your help. I want your help. (laughs) So, Barry, Jason. All right. Um, Come on, church. Come on. Uh, God will bless you as you bless others. That is so biblical. And listen, you don't want some of these guys getting all the blessing. You want to help out uh, your part. And so, uh, really cool. Uh, scripture today that you know about, but uh, I want to I want to want to teach you a little bit maybe how Jesus would have taught his disciples and maybe more of a a, a parent role this morning a little bit. Uh, David said, "I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread." David had a testimony. And I think Jesus is kind of thinking that way. He's getting ready to be ascended back up into heaven, and he wants to leave this commission, we call it the Great Commission, to his disciples, but it extends through to disciples to... 2022. It it, it extends to us, to Grace Church, to going and making and teaching and all the wonderful scriptures that we know. But we'll we'll see a different slant of it a little bit today because there's there's power packed here. And and again, I just want to teach it to you today. Like maybe Jesus would have taught disciples. Maybe David would have reached out to one of his kids. I want to teach you today like maybe we would one of our kids or children or, or grandchildren, just on the measure of depth that uh, Jesus talks about here when, when he leads them into this this commission. So we're going to pray, uh, and then we'll just go through uh, a couple of verses of Scripture and, and pull some meat from it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for you, thank you for Grace Church, thank you for the beautiful people that are here, thank you for those watching online and as they tune in, Father, I pray, Lord, our hearts would jump, Lord, our, our spirit would jump within us, just as John the Baptist was filled, Lord, on, on the commission, on the, on the mission, on the ministry that you have empowered each and every one of us to do, bless our people, Father, Lord, and let us receive this word together, in Jesus' name we pray, and the church said... Amen. So Matthew 28, starting with verse number 16, the Bible says, Now the 11 disciples went to uh, Galilee. Everybody say, Now. Yeah. Now. Say it with authority. Now. Now is the subject of a new revelation. It means something new is happening. There's a there's a now moment in our life. There's a aha moment. In fact, David says a couple times in a couple different Psalms, aha, aha. When my enemies were out to get me, aha, aha. God, you were on my side, aha, aha. There's a a now moment. The Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's a uh, there's an imagination there, and this is a now moment for the eleven disciples. Judas is gone. He went and hanged himself, the Bible said, because of his uh, failure in turning Jesus over to the scribes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and those that wanted to kill Jesus, which was marked by God to do, but Judas was the one. And so he's gone. He's not one of the eleven. The eleven now, the eleven disciples. And so you need to look for now moments in your life. You need to look at that uh, that God moment, that, that uh, God appointment, where maybe you're just there at the store, and someone comes up, and all of a sudden, you're you're just commissioned to pray for that person, or to believe with that person, or to uh, have a divine appointment and meet a person, someone that uh, you can just minister to, or maybe that person ministers to you as well. There's now moments, and one of the um, one of one of the uh, tra- 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 uh, travesties of the church would be that we miss out on our now appointments, our now moments, our now times where we're just meander through life and don't think one way or the other what's going to take place or or where God is meeting us and wanting to work through us. God wants to work through you wherever you're at. You could be literally out fishing. You might be out hunting. You could be out golfing. You could be walking your neighborhood. You could just be reading a book uh, on your back porch. God wants a now moment with you. There's a now time. So now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So he's telling them, come on, let's go. And we go into verse number 17, which says, and when they saw him... They worshiped him. But look at that for a moment. They worshiped him. Now, it's amazing, and I can imagine sometimes, all right, we worship Jesus just for his grandeur, just for how great he is. We worship Jesus because he is God Almighty, and sometimes we worship him because we need some things. It's it's not, uh, not okay to do that. We do that. But they were worshiping Jesus, and I can imagine still their thought is, we're worshiping this king and they're not sure, they don't know that he's going to be ascended here in a few moments. And so he's with the 11, there's another crowd there because they, that crowd was worshiping him, that crowd came. And the Bible tells us that anywhere from one to 500 people had seen the risen Savior declared in scripture one two three six ten eleven five hundred all those quantifiable numbers they saw jesus they saw the christ and now they're worshiping him they're giving him glory and again i can't help but think are they worshiping him because they need something or are they just worshiping him because he is who he is and I would say that is the best thing in our life that yes, it's okay to ask God for stuff. It's okay to ask Jesus to go through the throne room for for you in in, in your on your behalf. But at the same time, sometimes God just wants to be glorified and Jesus just needs to be worshiped. Can you take five seconds and just give the Lord a shout of praise? He's, he's worthy. It, I'll tell you, uh, we'll talk about in the next month just a a thankful spirit or gratitude or just being heartfelt in in our thanks. And the more often you just walk around with just a thankful spirit to the Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, you're you're so great. And and like Janie mentioned, I think in this service or before, just, just the beauty of seeing God's splendor and the colors, the artistry that is God and the hills and the mountains and driving through and seeing God's paintbrush alive within us, and knowing that we are part of what he has planned, it's easy to say, thank you, God. It's easy to worship, and you don't have to go full on, you know, bow down, bow over. You don't have to have music. You can just simply worship God right where you're at, driving to to work or driving to school or being in your cubicle or job site, wherever you're at. It's easy to worship God because he's done so much for us already. If he's never done another thing. He's worthy of our praise and worship. He's worthy of our praise and worship. He truly is. He's a good, good father. And so Jesus is acknowledging the disciples and and they're worshiping. But the Bible says, but some doubt it. And I I hate that part. But yet in Jesus' ministry, and Jesus is walking the earth. He's walking the face of the earth, and some were doubted. So when we share the good news with people, and some of them doubt, they doubted Jesus, and Jesus was there. So you don't have to overcome their doubt. You just have to pray with them and for them. When uh, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He's acknowledging who Christ is, and it was mainly the sinner people. Those who were not tied down to religion or organized religiosity, they were bowing and knowing that this creator of the universe would forgive them of their sins and accept them just the way they are. It was the religious people who were looking around saying, where, no, isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't he out of Bethlehem and Nazareth? That that can't be our savior. He wasn't born in a palace. He didn't come as a king, although he did spiritually. But some doubted, and I capitalized this week on that word doubt. Well, where did doubt come from? Where, where did doubt originate? The Lord took me back to Genesis, the third chapter, when, uh, or the second chapter, when uh, Satan, the serpent, came to Eve. And he says this, did God really say? He says, spirit of doubt right there. Oh, are you really going to be healed? Is it? really going to work out? Are you really going to get a job? We know uh, you do too. Many people during the COVID era a couple years ago that gotten laid off of jobs. And, And one of the first thing that the enemy wants to do is, is it going to work out? Am I going to be able to uh, make the house payment? Am I going to be able to buy groceries? And now we're entering a recession in the spring of 2023. They're forecasting it. And, uh, uh, you, should, you should plan. And, and I'm, not, I'm not despising wisdom. I think you should operate in wisdom. But uh, the Bible also says that your God owns cattle on a thousand hills. He knows he's your provider. He's your healer. He's your righteousness. He will take care of you. He is Jehovah Jireh. I mean, this is what our God does. He takes care of his own. David states that. My, I was once young, but now I'm old. I guess I fit that theory, Barry. <laughs> I was once young, and now I'm old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. This is what your God does. God is not a telemarketer. God is a personal fan favorite. He's the father of all living. He's Abba. He's daddy. He cares about you. Some doubt. And so, the, so the, the servant comes to Eve and says, did, did, is that what God really said? And so we, we learn the spirit of doubt. And not that all doubting is bad and not that all doubting is sin, but there's a progression there. And all of a sudden, uh, the Eve bit from the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge and evil and gave some to Adam, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But oh, this doubt then turned into sin. And this doubt was, a, is, was such a nature that if we go ahead and feed our doubt, it will inevitably become worse and worse. Because then, after they doubted, then they started to accuse each other. In fact, God, the voice of the Lord, the Bible says, come in the, in the dew of the morning to talk to Adam and Eve every day. Isn't that beautiful? Talk about intimate worship. I want to get alone in my worship time. I want God to talk to me. And, and all of a sudden, uh, he says, "Adam, Adam, where are you? We're over here, Lord. We're over here. Did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So then doubt turns into accusation. It was that woman you gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the, men, and the men say that amen. And the men should be thankful every day for that woman that God gave you. <laughs> Help me, covering. And so Adam really was just a a forearm away. Adam was right there. It was that woman you gave me, the one you were thankful for, and we say it all the time, it was that job you gave me. You were thankful for that job six months ago. You loved that. You stood up and testified about that job. Now you hate your boss. You're not getting paid enough. You can't make it to work. You're calling in sick. What's going on? We start to accuse, they don't appreciate me. We start to accuse, and so we go from doubt to accusations. It was that woman that you gave me, Lord. And then all of a sudden, we become revealed. And this is the trick of the enemy. Now he wants to reveal people's wrongdoings. Well, aren't they? They're not good enough to come to church. Because God says, why are you hiding behind the, the fig tree? Well, we realize now that we're naked, God. Also, oh, sin re- is revealed, but it 's revealed in a suspicable way. it 's revealed in a way that is shameful. It's re- and listen, none of us want our sins on the big screen. None of us want the DVR in heaven. let 's go back around that one year, right back there, you know, 2002. let 's see what you did back. No, but see, Satan wants to reveal those things because if we know of somebody else 's sin, ours doesn 't look quite as bad. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All sin is missing the mark. If your son isn't covered by the blood of Jesus Christ... Right? So, this is how Satan works. He works in doubt, he works in accusation, and then he works in revealing those things about us, right? And again, any one of those three in and of themselves isn't altogether the bad. It's okay to say if you're accusing someone or you're, or you're discovering something about somebody, it's not necessarily an accusation. If, if you're revealing, like a doctor might reveal uh, something, a cut or a wound or a disease or something, et cetera, they're, they're, they're revealing that for the health of the person, okay? And so, But if you work at those progressively, you say all of a sudden it's doubt, and then it, it, it's one step meaner, it's accusation, and then it's one step, well, you did this, and you start to reveal each other's sins. It's like the political parties. At the political parties, if you watch the commercials, they never really say what they're going to do. I know one person supposedly uh, set a bunch of criminals free. I know another person supposedly stole $10 million. And I know another person supposedly did this. And another one supposedly did that. I just don't know what the accusers are doing. It's how the political portion works is if I can run somebody down, then I must be better. This is what Satan was doing with Eve. Um, Let me just run God down a little bit. Like, he's afraid you'll be his equal. He's afraid you'll be just like him. And this doubt comes upon us. I know of two preachers back in the '80s who uh, lived down in the Louisiana area. They both had large television ministries, had evangelistic ministries, had large uh, uh, pastors. They were growing churches for the day. Things were going good, and they started to pick on each other, and they started to r- reveal things in each other. And one finally got the other, and he, just, he caused his whole ministry just to morph and, and to fail. And they were quoting scripture, but they forgot to quote the one that says, love your neighbor as yourself. They they forgot to, the scripture in Galatians that says, uh, do good to all people, especially to those of the household of faith especially your brothers forsaking out the day of assembling, especially you see the day of the Lord approaching. They forgot all those, and so the one was all excited because he got the other one to, 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 to reveal his sin, and then this one went on a tangent, and after a few years, he got this one to reveal all his sins revealed, and both their ministries crashed and burned, and, and the kingdom was worse off because of it, because there was a revealing of revengeance and tendencies. But God works differently. God's completely, take the same scenario, what could God do? Adam, Adam, where are you? With confidence, he wanted to have a conversation. He wasn't in doubt, he said, just Adam, where are you? So God tells us in his word that if we hide it in our heart, we will not sin against him. And so it's his word, literally God's word is made of flesh for us in the form of Jesus Christ. And then he leaves his word for us so that if we believe on that word, we're made whole. And so there's a confident conviction of word there rather than doubt and misnomer and disbelief and causing accusations. And so just the opposite, God comes in conviction and then he comes in acceptance Now, let me say this, your sin, my sin, all sin will have some form of consequence. But God still accepts us the way we are. He loves us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, a sign that church sign, some church signs are kind of corny, you know. And, and most pastors put them up. I like the ones this month that uh, they love Pastor so and so. And I'm told Jenny the other day, Pastor probably had to put that up on the church sign himself. You know? <laughs> we love you, Pastor Harry and Miss Martha. <laughs> he did that on Tuesday morning. <laughs> well, one one sign that we drive by when we go home says, "God knows you and still loves you." So true. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. He he cares. He accepts you and this is why grace church is for all people. We accept you just the way you are. However, just like all of us, we want God to change us from the inside out. We want to be all that God wants us to be. We want to be whoever God wants us to be. Whoever God called us to be. Paul said I am who I am by the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God, but Paul also changed. Paul was a murderer. Paul killed Christites, Christ's followers, and then he became one. And then they tried to kill him. And so through acceptance, so God then uh, talks confidently to Adam and Eve, and then he accepts them. Where are you? Well, we hid we hide behind this fig tree. We put some figs on, and and, we're, and we, why? why? Do, did you eat from the tree? Yes, we understood now that we're naked. They were revealed. What does God do to people who are revealed in sin by the enemy? Is He covered them. He killed a, an animal, and he put clothes on them. In fact, Peter says that our love would cover a multitude of sins. He learned that from Jesus himself, who is frying fish on the seashore. And John says, hey, that's, that's our beloved. Peter jumps in the water and, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, I don't know. You didn't love me 30 days ago. Yeah, yeah, I love you, Lord. Okay, feed my sheep. See, he understands love, Covered. How, how can that happen? Well, here's, here's the ha- what happens when people's sin is revealed and there's so much shame on them and they don't think anybody will love them. If someone who's a Christ follower says, hey, I love you just the way you are, let's, let's work this thing out together, they finally then seen how Jesus operated. They finally at that time saw how God could love the world so much that he his only begotten son. And so there was those that doubted. I don't know, if, do, we have the, do we have the next scripture? I can read it. If not, do we have eight? Uh, okay. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. no, we knew that, but we're remember we're looking at it from the from the kind of the end back to the middle. Like we're living under grace, and we're living almost selfishly because we should be sharing that grace with a whole lot more people than we probably are. We shouldn't be judging people as much as we probably do. We should be accepting people a lot more than we we probably do, and we should allow God to change them like He's changing us. But all authority has been given to me, and done by association, theologians will say, and then He He wants to hand that authority off it's like if you give your son or daughter a a credit card or keys to the car drive it wisely use that credit card wisely and this is why they there should be limits on some of those little debit cards y'all give out i think i saw a four-year-old the other day with an iphone sticking out of her back pocket (laughs) no judging not judging She probably had a debit card, too. (laughs) Hey, can I borrow that? Uh, All authority, all authority has been given to me. And I'm going to give it to you. Luke, the 10th chapter, the first verse, Jesus does this one other time. The Bible says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Verse number two says, And, and he said to them, The harvest is plentiful. We've been reading this all month, but the labors are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. to send out labors into his harvest, still appropriate today. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of Wolves, and then he says this one important thing. He says, Do not take anything with you. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandal, greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. I always wondered why did Jesus not want them to take a a knapsack, a a lunch bag, a duffel bag? Why did he not want to have them take, in this case, why wouldn't he want you to take your iPhone or your word of God? why would he want you to take some anointing oil or, or just a, a crew with some nice prayer shirts on? Why wouldn't he want? Because he wanted total dependence on Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is his provider. God will provide for you just like he did for them. And it becomes more of a miracle. If, if, you, if you say, look if we have a formula, if we have a process, if every time, after every service, we have to wait for the prayer team for the miracle, then what good is it? When, when we can pray for anybody and they can be healed in Jesus' name. When we can believe for a son or daughter to come to church and they show up the next week, does that happen for everybody? Maybe not, but boy, is it sure good when it does happen. We can stop a service. And a young man in Omaha, Nebraska can get a brand new heart without a transplant, which has happened here before. When we can stop a service and a a woman can get her daughter in service the very next week, when we can stop a service and all of a sudden your healing can manifest itself, it's not because we have a dynamic prayer team, which we might, it's because we have a dynamic God, which we do. That's the God you serve. Let's go to verse number... Uh, 17. The 72 return with joy, Lord. Even the demons are subject to us in Your name. It's like, ah, don't. Aren't you kind of glad when the underdog wins? Aren't you kind of glad when uh, secretly you say, ah, ah, I'm so glad those guys are in jail now. (laughs) Ah, I'm so glad. I mean, we David did it. We we. It's like we're not talking about a person. We're talking about a spirit. And then verse number 18, he says this, and he said to them, this is Jesus. Hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, like I was there. Verse number 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall or did hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Wow. Wow. Now Jesus is speaking as a teacher. He's teaching his kids. And Janie was a great, is still a great teacher, not only for Sunday school class. She loves her little Sunday school class. Marcus the other day said, man, you are really good at this. She loves her Sunday school teachers, those that teach with her and for her. She loves, she loves the little students. And, and I said, honey, you're really pouring a lot into four little kids. It was one day there were 12 little kids, and then there were 16 little kids. And, and I and I didn't, I wasn't demeaning it. I was just like, you're really, but that was that's her heart. Was to, and she did that with our kids. She pours into them. She is a teaching moment. Jesus here has a teaching moment. Wait a second. Don't be glad that the spirits are subject to you. Be glad that your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like, probably what Jesus is seeing and teaching us at this moment is the greatest testimony service is really just a few words. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to heaven when it's over. God's on my side. I mean, it's simple because even then for whatever reason Jesus isn't asking us to be vengeful even over the spirits because he knows the whole doubt and the accusations and the revealing versus the whole versus the confidence and the and the acceptance and the covering means so much that he wants his people to know that you should glory in the fact that God has written your name in the lamb's book of life. Give God some praise. You're going to heaven when this is all over. Janie and I had moved recently, and every time we move, which is quite often, probably more, more often than we should, and definitely more, more than the national average. <laughs> and Brian, my good friend who plays the guitar and one of our staff pastors and executive, he said, uh, you doing all right, bro? I said, yeah. He looked a little tired. I said, well, I said, listen, at the end of the day, I have married the love of my life, and I'm going to heaven. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. And so I talked to him another week or so later, and he said, you're doing okay? I said, doing great. I said, you know what? He said, what? I said, I've married the love of my life. And this is all over. I'm going to heaven. Yeah. So a couple weeks went by. He said, you're doing okay, bro? I said, I'm doing good. He said, I got it. You marry the love of your life, and you're going to heaven. You got it, man. That's it. That's all I need. Everything else is immaterial other than family, which I love, Grace Church, which I love. But when you think about it, at the end of the day, is there any problem too big? You're going to heaven if your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. When this is over, you win. You win. Don't. Believe the lie of Satan doubting that says, wait a second, what if you don't? No, he that calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus, and you're new again tomorrow, and you're new again Tuesday, and you're new again Wednesday. Don't live the lie or believe the lie that this is as good as it gets. God is on your side. He loves you. He cares for you. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing situation. Let's go back really quickly then to verses at number 18 or 19 on that. And Jesus came and said, all authority. let's go to verse 19. Worship team, come back. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse number 20, teaching them to observe all that you have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the earth. Think about that for a second. We're going to sing the song, Jireh. The Lord is your provider. And Jesus, after he acknowledges these things and reminds him of a few things, he, he commissions them. And we do call it the Great Commission, but it's more of a teaching moment, in my opinion. Jesus is teaching them that if I'm going to ascend into heaven, which he does then shortly after that, if I'm going to ascend into heaven and these 11 are going to like Carry the torch. I don't need them, I don't need to beat them over the head with it. I don't need to remind them how good I am. I just need to let them know that when they go, go with God. Whatever you make is just simply duplication. You're just you're just multiplying yourself. So we're working on some areas that maybe you can win one this year. And if you win one, then you can teach one. If you can teach one, then you can. Become one, or one can become, and then the next year, maybe they can duplicate, and you can duplicate, and we don't have to go. If you if you if you can, reach a hundred or a thousand or two million, but if you could just reach one and disciple that one, and, and, and almost like a, a parenting. If you're new to Christ, then let us help us. Let us disciple you for a year or so, and then we'll commission you. Jesus is, is working with these guys for three years or so, give or take, and now he's getting ready to send them out, go with God, make, duplicate, because he took a motley crew, and then, and then he says that key word, teaching them. See, I think the church world is really good about beating people up. I think the church world's really good about smashing people over the head with their Bible, saying, you sinner, but they're not real good about love. We want love, we want grace, we want mercy. We just don't give it out as well. And and, and and if we can't give it out, the Bible's pretty clear we can't get it back. If we don't forgive, we can't get forgiveness. If we don't give mercy, we can't get mercy back. Both are a a biblical foundation. So stand with me where you're at this morning, if you will. And we're going to commission you in a moment to go. But it's more than that. It's a teaching moment. It's that whatever you do, if it's walking across the street this afternoon, it's going with grace. It's going with God as provider. Because He cares more about you than what you've done. Let's just put it that way. He cares more about us than who we are rather than we are in him. So take five seconds and close your eyes and and think about maybe someone who you've wrongly judged. Maybe you've accused. Maybe you've revealed things that, that the Lord would have rather have kept quiet. And, and think on how maybe you could have handled that situation better or if God wants you to, to deal with that situation. Or maybe somebody's judged you wrongly. Maybe somebody's accused you wrongly. Or maybe you can just cover them with love. Maybe you can accept them, what they've done, and forgive them on the spot. But you can do that because Jehovah Jireh provides all those things for us already we can provide that for others let me pray and we'll sing this song i hope it touches your heart the way it does mine father we thank that we're so thankful that well we know judgment will come the bible's clear that there's going to be heaven or hell we know there's consequences to sin bible's clear on that too and we don't want to mislead anybody but father we truly want to accept people and we truly want to cover their sins with a multitude of love however that looks Peter says it because he knew his sins were covered by your love. And we ask that your love would cover our sins and your grace would be dominant here in our church and in this community. Bless each person. Lord, let them walk faithfully in acceptance and covering mercy and grace, forgiveness and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. God bless you.
1: Sickness that that took her, and so to see her come up and just fall on her knees and say, I'll be content in every circumstance says so much about her character, about knowing that God is the provider. I don't know how I would handle that, I really don't. But God has given her such grace and people around her that would gather, and in my, my heart. No, not everybody knew that. But I just stood here and thought, would just some mamas just come stand around her, not touch her, just sing, just sing over her. As we say, you're my provider. You don't have to touch her. But you could just have some mamas that stood around and said, hey, I'm with you. I don't know how I can handle it, but I just want you to see a group of people that say, but my heart is with you. I'm here for you. I love you. God is your provider, and you are such a testimony to all of us. So we're just going to sing that through, just simple and beautiful. Because I know y'all love her, but if you knew, I wouldn't have had to stop and tell you. I knew you'd have just gathered and smothered her with love. Because that's what the body does. So let's just, let's just sing that again over Jody right now, can you just sing it, worship, just worship that over her right now, okay, can we just do that?
2: 625 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If he sees a sparrow fall out of the sky, how much more will he see what mother loses her child. If he cares about the lilies of the field, how much more does he care about you and the situation that you're going through right now that we may not even know? We may not even know what you're going through. So I just want to close in prayer, and whatever it is that concerns you, I want you to know that our word, the word of God says that he will perfect that which concerns you. And he cares about what you are going through. He cares about you. He sees you. He knows you. So let's just give that to the Lord right now and just ask for his strength, his direction in our life. Father, we thank you that you care, that you know us, that you love us. Lord, that you know what we're going through and that you hear us when we cry out to you. Lord, I thank you, God, that you see the sparrows fall from the sky, you see the lilies in the field, that you clothe them with beauty and splendor, and you you care for us so much more. So for every person here today that's going through something, for every parent that's lost a child, for every person that's dealing with sickness in their bodies or in the body of someone they love, Lord, for every person that needs a financial miracle, for someone in here that's dealing with depression, anxiety, or anything else, God, we just give it to you now. We thank you that you see us, that you know us. Lord, we thank you for the harvest field. Lord, that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And There are so many in this world that don't have that hope that we have in here today. They don't even have the family of believers that we have seen demonstrated this morning. Lord, but I pray for the harvest field, that you'd send out laborers, God, that you'd commission us to go into the harvest to exercise the authority and confidence that you have given to us. Lord, that we could extend an invitation to someone to come to church next week to pick up a coat or to be a part of a harvest party. Lord, that we could extend Jesus and offer to pray with somebody that's struggling with peace in their lives. Empower us to do the will of God, to, to share the gospel with those around us. And I thank you for the love that was demonstrated this morning. Thank you for the love, God, that you demonstrated towards us. And that while we were sinners, Lord Jesus, you sent Christ to die for us. I pray that you'd go with each one of us, empower us to do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, coats next week, downstairs, we love you. Bye.
1: joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give, or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.